Welcome to the Benzo Free Podcast, your home for an honest, straightforward, and personal discussion about anti-anxiety drugs, their effects, and how to deal with dependence and withdrawal. Whether you have taken benzodiazepines, Z drugs, or any other tranquilizers, know someone who has, or you just want help dealing with chronic anxiety and insomnia, this is your podcast. I'm your host, D.E. Foster, author of the book, Benzo Free, The World of Anti-Anxiety Drugs and the Reality of Withdrawal. I'm so glad you joined us today. Please stick around and let me bend your ear for a few minutes. It just might feel a little better on the other side. there. This is D. I was talking without the mic on. See, that's a good way to start. This is D and welcome to the Benzo Free Podcast. Um, there's going to be some technical glitches on our show tonight because that's what we're going to do. <laughs> I haven't done this in a long time, done a live one, so I apologize for any of those. If you're out there, um, you can go to the live chat and add a comment. I would love to hear from you. Also, to know that the live chat functions working would be good, too. Um, and yeah, I think we're good. So it's, I, I think we got, okay, there's Pam. Good. Come later. I surprised you. That was a little teaser of what's coming. So um, it's also me not knowing what's going on here as far as the technology goes. But hopefully she can hear me and everything else. But I just want to say hi. So let me do a couple intro functions here, and then we'll get we'll get moving on. Um, like I said, if you do have the live chat on YouTube and you're listening, please let me know you're here. Oh, I see some people. Way to go. I see Winnie and Ed. Great to see you both. Thank you for letting me know that you're there. This is excellent. Um, let me do a little intro here. I'm going to do kind of the intro that I normally do and talk about a few things and then we'll, um, we'll kind of get to the rest of it. And um, so when you have questions and comments, feel free to put them in. But actually, that's going to be like the second half of the podcast. So um, anything you comment now is great. I love to hear from you, but at, after the second half, I'll really be looking for them and trying to pull some of those in and we'll be talking with you all. Um, I'm D. I've told you that before. If I'm not looking at the camera, it's because I'm looking at the script or my technology and I'm going to have to get used to that over time. Oh, welcome to our live broadcast. I, I was thinking about how to um, move forward with the podcast and we did a couple live things way back when, but I haven't done them in a while. And I thought it was, I thought we were due to do a live one where we could actually hear you and talk with you and, um, and get more people involved. So it isn't just about me. So I decided to do a mailbag episode and this is that episode. We're going to talk about your questions, your comments, your concerns, because I've always said this, but this is your podcast and I want to make it even more so going forward because that's what this is about. So, um, Thank you for coming, and I, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, by chance, um, anybody who has tuned in, um, I see that there's already a few here <laughs> in my script. I said, in case anybody actually logs in, you're here. So I don't have to say that. Um, but I welcome anybody, um, everybody that's here. I'm so glad that you're tuning in. And this will also be available as a recording on Friday, so both tonight and tomorrow nights broadcast will be available in a recorded format. I'll release those Friday to our podcast channels for those who couldn't listen live. So that might be a good way to make this work. So personal note, let me catch up on a couple things. Um, for those of you on the my email newsletter for easing anxiety, you know that my um, 
Oh, hang on one second. Is anybody hearing me? So let me know if you can hear me or not. Um, just want to make sure that um, my audio is coming through before I just assume it is. So either put in the live chat or, um, or maybe Pam will let me know. <laughs> okay, Pam hears me, so we're good. <laughs> okay, um, I think she had texted me earlier when I had it muted and I just now looked down to it. So, so good. But, um, oh, thanks, Winnie. So Winnie also piped in and let me know. That's good. Anyway, um, some of you got the email that my mom had passed away. Um, dealing with my parents has been an ongoing um, dialogue here on the podcast because it's been a part of my life and I share my life and that's that's how it goes. So on November 10th, my mom passed away. Thankfully, she's no longer suffering and um, she's in a better place. And that's that's the main thing. We had a memorial here in Kansas City on November 29th. It went really well. Um, and um, and anyway, it's time to move on and um, kind of process things that I've been doing that lately. Uh, the one good thing about benzo withdrawal is it taught me to cry again. And so I had that more available to tap into. Um, anyway, so I am in apartment now here in Kansas City. Just wanted to update you all. Many of you know about my multiple trips. I've taken 13 trips so far to Kansas City this year alone to take care of my parents. And um, this is our most recent one. So we finally decided we couldn't continue to pay hotels. And we decided to find a small apartment, which we did. So I am here in that apartment right now. Speaking to you, I have a, a blanket behind me. Literally, you know, there's a man behind, there's the curtain here. So behind me, um, I just hung a blanket there. So hopefully it looks halfway decent. Um, so, but if there is sound problems or the audio isn't great or anything like that, um, I, um, I just want you to know that that's because I'm working off of a different mic, a different camera, a different setup here in the apartment, but hopefully it all comes through well. And I, I'm so glad that you're, you're here and listening. Um, I want to talk about a couple more things. Um, let me see if I can do this. Got to use the technology and see if we can make it work for us. So let me bring up the website really quick. I promise I won't spend much time here, but I just want to show you a couple of new things that are going on. So let's see if we can do this. Um, can we, yeah, there we go. One click, another click and okay. So we should be there. Hopefully you can see that now on a split screen, uh, with myself. So I just wanted to mention the website I've been working on. Actually, I was working on steadily until about a month ago, but with everything with my folks that kind of got put aside, but, um, you can see here is a special event is on the website listed. And we have a, a new section, and this is the reason I wanted to bring it up. Here's the new homepage. It's more simplified, more streamlined. We have everything here is, is post-based, and you can find things quicker through the search bar than you used to be able to. Here's the featured content. But we do have, our, the one thing I've added is I've added the Benzo Info. For those of you who knew our old website at benzofree.org, this was actually um, all on there and I hadn't transferred it over. So I have transferred it over to Easing Anxiety now and cleaned it up and we streamlined it and made it all again post-based. So again, there's a quick search here bar at the top if you're looking for benzodiazepine information. And then we have some key info categories down here. Uh, we have basics of benzos, of withdrawal. We have a whole section on the Ashton manual and links to the manual withdrawal symptoms, the types of benzos, and a glossary of terms. 
So you can click on any of these, get more information. You can also search for any topic within these and it will pull them up just like anything else. So say you're looking for some information on perception symptoms, we can come in here, do a drill down, get more information. Hopefully this is gonna help people get more um, resources, more info and in what they're looking for. So I'm hoping that helps a lot. We also have our other content on here. We have articles that we posted before and I'm hoping that we're gonna get some people helping out with writing really soon. In fact, I've already had a few people offer and had to tell them to wait till January, but we're gonna get those that stuff going. So the articles, um, I think that's a key part. And if we can get that blog going again, that'd be great. I just haven't had the time. Our podcasts are posted here. Um, we have stories, the stories of different people. Um, I've tried to post most of the ones that we've shared on the podcast on here, but they're all searchable, like I said before. Um, in fact, you can search for a name if I wanted to search for, and I, I, I'm doing this on purpose. Um, if I search for Pam in Louisiana, here comes Pam's story. And there's a reason I'm bringing this one up because Pam is actually going to be doing a Benzo story live for us today. And she is actually here waiting in our waiting room and I'll bring her here in a second. She's over there kind of, you know, in the in the corner there, all faded out on my, on my screen, but I know she's there and we'll bring her in so shortly. But here's her story that she reported and several updates she sent us to. We had an update in August, update in September. And of course, today we're gonna get another update um for 2021 and so but just so you know if you go to the website you can see more stories and i want to add more there we're going to collect more of those we're just trying to increase the content as we go along of course we do have resources on here um, for all the different things you're looking for um suicidality anxiety benzos um and about us and contact all that kind of stuff so i'll close out that enough of that but I wanted to bring back my script so I don't forget something here. Uh, our format today, just so you know, closing out our introduction here, that's our start. We are going to have a Benzo story live. That'll be our first section up, and that'll be Pam from Louisiana. She'll be talking. I'll tell you a little more about her in a second. And then we're going to go into our mailbag live. Our mailbag live is a version of our mailbag. I've already put aside some of the questions and comments that people have, you know, sent into us through the feedback form and through our um, our YouTube channel. But if people submit them here on the comments, I will actually go to those first. So because that would be live and we can actually do some of that. So those are to fill in if we don't get enough requests coming from the from you all who are watching. So um, I see a few more people have come. I see Ed's on. Um, we got, oh, Cheryl's on too. Uh, wow, thanks for, for commenting in and letting me know you're here. This is great. I do need to cover our administrative stuff real quick. Um, don't forget, you can comment on here. This is a live chat, so just go to live chat. But you can also comment our videos once they're posted. Let us know on our podcast posts. Podcast posts. Um, go to our feedback form at easinganxiety.com slash feedback. In fact, let me make sure. Hang on. I should be able to do this. Yes, see how cool that is? Okay, there's, there's our website. Go to easinganxiety.com slash feedback if you'd like to give us feedback. I love hearing from you, your questions, your comments, your concerns. Um, that's what feeds this whole channel. And we're really going to build that up again here shortly. And while you're there, please don't forget to subscribe to our mailing list. Uh, that's where I do directly notify people of things that are available, new videos, new um, podcast episodes. And of course, if you have a chance and wish to donate to our channel, that is also a big help. And I really appreciate that. And of course, I have to just say this and let me bring this up too. 
There it is. <laughs> the Benzo Free Podcast is for informational purposes only and should never be considered medical advice. So I'll try to make sure I get the disclaimer at the end here, but I want to make sure that everybody knows that going forward. Okay, so back to our comments and everything here. Okay, those are looking good. So let's move on to our first section today. Let me introduce you to Pam. I'm going to bring her on screen if it's okay with her. Let's see here. Hi. Pam. Hey, Pam. How you hey, doing? Hey, good. Thank you oh, for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. I'm, let me introduce you real quick here. Um, Pam has become a, a true, true friend of mine. Pam first wrote, wrote into our podcast over a year ago when we've been corresponding for a long time. She and her husband, Lee, have been huge supporters of the podcast. They've become close friends. And we've often shared um, our Benzo journey along the way. And it's, it's been amazing. It's been um, such a wonderful friendship that's developed. And when I thought that I'd like to do some live Benzo stories on here, a few people came to mind and Pam was one of those top ones. I thought. So I, I actually gave her little forewarning. I texted her this morning and said, hey, Pam, you want to be on the podcast? And she gladly said yes. And I am so grateful to her for that. So hi, Pam. Hi. It's so good to see you. It's good was, to see you too. I was wondering if you could start out a little bit by telling your story, you know, in a few minutes, just kind of tell your general Benzo story, what you took, when you took it, and where you are today. I think that'd be great for everybody to hear. Sure. Um, in 2008, um, I began having um, insomnia, uh, something that a lot of us suffer with, and I went to um, my general practitioner <clears throat> and he said, well, I really am not comfortable uh, prescribing you um, any kind of a sleep aid, but I'm gonna send you to a psychiatrist to see if he can't help you. You know, maybe you can work through something that's causing you to have insomnia. So um, I went to uh, the, the psychiatrist that he um, recommended and um, after the very first visit, um, this psychiatrist prescribed me 1.5 milligrams of Ativan to be taken at night for insomnia. This was in 2008. I took it for 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. I took it for over 11 years, um, not knowing anything about it. And I wish I had done my research. I did not. Um, unfortunately, um, towards the end, I never increased my dosage. It was always 1.5. Um, it was never anything more. Every three months I would go, he'd write it out. He'd say, how are you doing? I'd say, I'm doing fine. Are you sleeping? Okay. I said, yeah, I'm sleeping good. Um, probably about the last, um, three years of taking it, which would have been going on three years ago, as I'm almost three years benzo-free, um, I would notice that um, I'd be waking up, my legs would be jerking. Um, I wasn't really quite sure what was going on. Um, I just didn't feel quite right. And um, I never dreamed that I was in probably withdrawal. My body was needing more and I didn't know what that was until now. Um, so um, in saying all that, uh, my husband and I moved to a different city and I got a, a new general practitioner. 
and I went in for a routine visit and she asked me why I was taking Ativan, how long I'd been taking it. And I told her and she just sort of sat back in her chair and she said, we, re and we really need to get you off of that. And she said, you know, some research, recent research has shown that this could cause some um, cognitive issues, um, some maybe early onset dementia. Well, when she said that, I said, okay, I don't need to take it anymore. Um, go, I'm not going to take it anymore. And she said, well, it's not going to be quite that easy, Pam. She said, we're going to have to do a slow withdrawal. And I said, I just didn't understand what a slow withdrawal meant. I had no idea. So um, the next week I started um, the withdrawal. I was taking like one and a half and I just started backing down off of it. And it was brutal. It was tough. I thought I'd had insomnia before, but um, it was unlike anything I had ever experienced. Um, I literally thought I was dying. Um, heart palpitations, sweating, um, couldn't breathe, tingling, um, hyperventilating, just the everything, um, everything that I thought was terrible. Um, I went back to the doctor and said, I, I don't know what's happening to me. And she said, you're in withdrawal. And she said, um, this will pass. She said, we just have to be patient. She said, just keep, keep tapering. And so we did a slow taper, not as slow as the Ashton manual suggests, which looking back probably should have gone that route. Um, but she was doing the best she could with the information off of this. And um, I'm happy to say that um, I'm 31 months benzo-free. Um, I still have quite a few symptoms. I still have anxiety, um, but I've learned to cope. I'm in therapy. Um, I have a wonderful support system in my husband. And I will tell you that the in the first two months was when I found benzo-free. Um, I just Googled um, benzodiazepines and found D. Foster in his book. And without, without his podcast, I would never know, um, would have never known really how to get through it. Um, nobody's really heard of this, you know, protracted withdrawal. They do now. My doctor does now. Um, I've given her all the information that I could. And um, I'm just very blessed um, to to know D and to be part of this community and the support um, that it gives us. Um, the support system is awesome and I'm so grateful. Um, so that's kind of my story um, today. Um, I still do, you know, wake up. I still do have uh, palpitations. I still do have most of the protracted withdrawal symptoms 31 months out. But I, I'm better. I'm so much better than I was this time last year and this time the year prior. And um, I'm grateful. I, I'm so grateful. That's so good to hear. Thank you, Pam. You're welcome. Um, I'm just, um, I thought I might leave Pam on here. And maybe I actually have her provide some of the input as we go through some of the mailbag later on. But sure. I also wanted to follow up with you. I mean, I think you and I have had several conversations and we've talked mm -hmm. about what we've learned and what we pass on to other people. And 
um, you know, what, what, what would you say, say you had like the three key, you know, one-liners that you would tell somebody who was saying, you know, I just learned about this. I'm dependent. I'm a frightened. I don't know where to turn. What would you say to them? I'm kind of curious because I mean, I always have my my canned ones that I provide and and try to listen to people. But I I'm, I want to know what other people with lived experience would would say. I guess where I am today, if if I know some, if someone says, oh, you know, I've started um, or I've been taking uh, a benzodiazepine, I sort of now just draw back and 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 want to tell them my story and explain to them if they, if I knew today what I knew 11 years ago, I would have never, ever, ever taken that pill. I would have, I just didn't know. I had no idea. So I would, I would, if I knew then what I know now, I would say, don't do it. I would say, find a good support system. You can do this. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Um, it's tough, but we're tougher. And um, it's not worth it. Um, for the little bit of time that you might feel good, long term, it's not worth it. Yeah. It's just not worth it. Did, um, did you, you, you talked about the people that were your support system. Yeah. Um, and, and just struggling on so many people reach out to me and ask, you know, they're looking for that doctor, that physician, that mm -hmm. psychiatrist that can help mm -hmm. them. Um, one of the things I try to pass on to them is that, you know, it doesn't have to be what we would call benzo wise, benzo aware or whatever. But but do you agree with that somebody who's willing to work with you, even if you have to educate them, like you said that you had? Oh, absolutely. My best friend, um, when I I have called her in the middle of the night. She has been amazing. Um, she has, she has walked through it with me as well. Um, a friend, a neighbor, a minister, somebody that you yeah. trust that you could, because you're not alone. I mean, you, none of us are, are walking alone in this. There is somebody out there that will walk, walk with you. If you don't have a spouse, a sibling, somebody just reach out and ask. Yeah, it's, it helps a lot. It's just we have to kind of, we have to look for that support. We, we can't do, I mean, people do this alone, but it's yeah. it shouldn't be done alone and it makes no, it, it life so much harder. It should. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. I, I'm so yeah. glad you're on here doing the Benza story. Sure. Um, I'm going to pull myself back on screen, but I'm going to okay. keep you around. And that way, as we get some Q&A or start talking to some of the people listening, we can okay. all, you know, start that discussion. Great. Great. Thank, thank you, Dee. And, and sorry, sorry if I, you know, let me remove. Okay, there we go. Sorry that I was dropping Pam off there during it a few couple times visually. I was still figuring out my buttons. So um, this is the time that we're going to move into mailbag. And this is going to be our conversation. And um, I'll also pull Pam in now and then as we get some things. But I wanted to see what questions you might have. Um, and as we do, I thought I'd also pull some from our lists. And actually one of the ones that I saw on here, let me pull that up again. I had some that I prepared for this. Um, TP actually in you, um, from YouTube asked not too long ago what my current symptoms are. And just as Pam had said, um, I get this question a lot, even though I feel like I answered it way too many times, but um, my symptoms actually are better now. It's, I'm having a lot of emotion now, of course, because of the loss of my mother and other things that are going on, but um, I don't, I'm not on a wave, which is 
what's surprising, I was when I was dealing with the stress of taking care of both my parents more so. But that wave has subsided, thankfully, and my symptoms have been mild to um, mostly non-existent recently, and that's been a really good thing. So, um, so you know, if, if for that update, I, I too share that, and just so you know, it, it's kind of difficult as to how much I share, because um, I know that when I say I'm back in a wave, people have looked at me like, okay, this is what where I'm going to be seven years out, and. And I think we all know and that that's not the case. Um, everybody is unique. Everybody is completely different. And we all are going to be at different stages. I was on a drug that has a higher incident of protracted withdrawal, which is um, clonazepam. I took a fluoroquinolone during my taper, which was not good. And I should have reread that section of the Ashton manual, but I didn't. I updosed during it. I have ADHD. <laughs> so I have a lot of things that complicated mine. And there's so many other factors we don't even know about. So looking at somebody else and thinking that's going to be me is one of those things we just can't do. So we need to be very careful of, um, of looking towards that. So, but when I do get into good news, like a wave has subsided and I'm, I'm, I'm much better than I was, which I am most of the time. I also want to share that with you all. And regardless of what's going on not right now um i'm really glad that 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 i'm, I'm doing better um so this is a good time if you're out there and you would like to bring out a comment question or whatever um we're going to start covering those and i am going to share a couple that we have written here and we will just see where it takes us because that's what we do this is from Kathy in Colorado a little while back. Let me do that one and then I'll, and if you get a question during this time, please pop it in the chat room and we'll jump on those. Kathy was talking about CBD not too long ago. She said, I just read a small study that said that CBD can help with volume withdrawal. They said it looks promising, but more research is needed. She'd been on volume for 14 years and it was prescribed for pelvic spasms. Excuse me. She said she is currently on four milligrams a day, and this was a little while back, and um, couldn't lower her dose without getting very ill. And she said more about it. She said her psychiatrist wants to work with her using CBD to help with withdrawal symptoms. And I thought this was a good question. Now, I um, haven't done a lot of recent research on this, but I did a lot at the beginning because I had the same question. And I even covered this in my book somewhat. I live in the great state of Colorado. Actually, most of the time right now, I'm half in Kansas City, but... When I'm in Colorado, um, we have access to CBD, which most states do, but we also have access to THC and combinations of, and so we were pretty open there. I did try CBD repeatedly. I tried CBD with a little THC at times. I didn't find a lot of benefit for myself, and I was looking for a direct correlation to my symptoms at the time. But that doesn't mean that um, it can't work. That doesn't mean it, it doesn't work. My philosophy, and this is, of course, everything on here is my opinion, you know that. But my opinion is take as little as needed. And that's about everything, supplements, other medications, anything else outside of, you know, healthy food, I mean, balanced diet that you're putting in your body, take as little as needed. If you need um, other medication, or I was talking with um, some people about SSRIs earlier, if you need that, great. Um, but take it only if you need to. I think one of the my goals is I wanted to let my body heal as naturally as possible. Just my opinion. I am not a medical professional. I've said that many times. But 
I had in my mind that I wanted to let my body, let my GABA receptors, let everything heal. And it just takes time. CBD, THC, um, alcohol we talk about, should you drink or not during withdrawal? Um, and other supplements like, you know, we talk about gabapentin and um, some other drugs and stuff like that, or pregabalin and some other ones. And my theory is, I don't know if those are delaying your with your healing are they getting in the way of your healing if they're affecting the same receptors like alcohol what is that doing to the healing of those GABA receptors again some studies have shown that there's some problems there but they show you know a lot of different things and as far as the other supplements we don't have that research but it's something that you need to take a look at and for me it was always I tried to heal as naturally as possible, but I did need help at time. I took an SSRI for a little bit during my withdrawal, but then I came off it as soon as possible because I didn't want that complication. So that is, um, that's going on there. So that was a question. I don't know if Pam has anything on that or not. Pam, do you have anything out there? See, I told you I'd ask you. <laughs> do, about what? About CBD? <laughs> Theories on actually just CBD or anything that is adjunctive when you're withdrawing other medications, other supplements, other drugs. Anything I, that I actually started really exercising a lot and really just cut a lot of sugar out of my diet. That seemed to really help me um, just even with trying to get some sleep. I just I really cut back on a lot of carbs and just walked and ran, even if I just could walk. I mean, even as tired as I was, if I could just walk. So exercise played a big uh, role for me in okay. um, my my ongoing recovery. Great. It looks like we are getting some comments here. Winnie did pipe in. She said you should get your genes tested to know whether or not your body can process CBD, THC, and other mm -hmm. drugs. And I think that's a great point. Um, you know, we need to know whether or not some people don't respond well to CBD. Some people don't respond well, especially to THC. Um, people don't respond well to alcohol. Some people don't respond well to other supplements. I had reactions, strong reactions to some of the supplements um, that I tried taking. So I don't know if you had similar reaction, but um, let's see what else we got here. I saw, um, oh, we got actually Gene, actually, she broke in. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning into the camera because I'm trying to read people's comments. Um, here's a question. Okay, this is what I'm looking for. So Gina, Gina wrote in and said, I wake up every night at about 3.30 a.m. and can't get back to sleep. Do you have any recommendation? Oh, I like this one. Okay. Um, thanks for bringing that question to our, um, our attention, Gene. I appreciate that insomnia it's probably one of the big four or five of benzo withdrawal anxiety um, memory cognitive dysfunction insomnia it's right up there i dealt with it most of us have dealt with it um and you know um over time and it's tough because when you're not sleeping well you're also affecting all your other symptoms kind of like with anxiety when anxiety spikes your other symptoms spike but when you're not getting enough sleep your other symptoms also have a tendency to spike. You want that sleep so that your body can heal and you can adjust the things that are going on um, in and around you. So what do you do for insomnia? Again, there are a lot of tips and tricks you can try. And I tried, again, I tried a lot of natural ones. I did take, um, so what is it, dexahydrine or whatever the, the, um, the, what am I thinking of? The, 
you know, the antihistamine drug, <laughs> the one, um, Benadryl, you know, I took that occasionally to sleep because I had a period of a few weeks where I wasn't sleeping and I just needed to. And I took that for a while, but also with that, I decided to stop taking it. I didn't want to go too far um, with that. For me, I tried as many natural ways as I could. And that was um, reducing screen time, especially before bed or during bed, because that blue light, it can keep you awake. Um, exercising throughout the day, having a busy day, having a full day, things that tire you out can really help. Um, don't eat too close to bed, bedtime. Having, you know, having a, what they call a bedtime hygiene or bedtime regime can be extremely helpful. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people piping in here, so maybe I should get some other feedback if other people are responding to it. Um, that was a question there, hygiene. Here we go, let's see what um, Ed came in. So Ed says, I had the same thing for several months myself, 38 months off now, and it does get better and better. I only have it happen every couple of weeks now in the wave cycle, it, if that makes sense, and it does. I think that's great, thank you, Ed. My main thing that I try to put out there when I'm talking about insomnia is accept it. And that's kind of with everything in general, but it is accepted. It's, I can hear I can hear Pam in the background kind of nodding on this one. But it's yeah. you got to learn to accept it. Fighting it and having anxiety about insomnia just creates more insomnia. That's so right. yeah, so when I don't sleep. I will try and I will try a few different times. If I can't, I will get up and go do something. I'll go work, I'll go for a walk or whatever, and I will come back. It will return, like Ed said here, it does come back, but you also have to stop fighting it too hard. And that's hard to do. Pam, did you have some to add to that? Um, I just wanted to say that in, in the very beginning when it was really, really bad for me, um, I did take a little melatonin and it did work, but what, but what my doctor suggested for me was just a little over-the-counter z -Quil. I guess it's like an antihistamine. Um, but that did give me some relief for a few weeks. And like you, I didn't really want to become dependent on anything else. Yeah. So I just started backing up off of that once I knew that I was getting some sleep. But, you know, the insomnia does come in waves um, for me. Um, and... I was in one of those waves uh, recently, and I would get up similar to Gene. I think it was he the one that gets up at three thirty in the morning. I think or yeah, uh, I think it was. So and okay. and that's the weirdest time. Usually it's between like three thirty and yeah. four. It's like the bewitching hour or something. Anyway, I would get up. I would just not. I would not try to fight it anymore. I would just get up and find something to do. Read, um, pray. Um, yeah whatever uh could bring me some relief yeah i think that's great i um cheryl piped in too she said my mind literally feels its sharpest after 10 p.m i just don't understand it's like my, my central nervous system is backwards and and inside out um and i get that yeah i mean some of us i i do the same thing you i would do two or three a.m and i would wake up and i would be fully awake there was just no you know desire to get sleep. And after a while, you get used to the fact that four hours of sleep a night is good. Great. Um, yeah, I was grateful for that. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm back to about seven now, most yeah. nights, and it does come back. One of the things mm -hmm. that was it Ashton or somebody else told me one point, or it was an article I read, it said, your body will eventually demand the sleep. 
and it does finally catch up and it says finally okay you're going to sleep whether you like it or not um but it doesn't seem like that because it can last months um when you're not getting sleep and it can seem like you're not going to come back to it um so i i don't know it's just it's a common problem we all people without benzo withdrawal have this so this isn't just us it's just this is a very common symptom with benzo withdrawal and one that we all have to deal with but i always just try to find um a lot of different things you can do and that is focus on you know natural natural methods that's what i prefer to but sometimes i need that medical you know help along the way so let's see what we got here um Winnie typed in let's see what Winnie says here Winnie said i take trazodone um, and I'm worried about getting off that when I'm done. Three to four is when the liver is proposing stuff and histamines are highest. I see. That's a good point. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, I mean, our body functions differently at different times. So we need to understand how that how that's working, affecting things. With trazodone and getting off that, um, I work with a lot of people who are polydrugging. And polydrugging is a term we're using for, of course, taking consistently more than one medication, especially psych med. And that's, I mean, I, I am so grateful. I only had to deal with coming off one. Um, that was my benzodiazepine, clonopin. But for those people who are dealing with a cocktail, um, so many of you watched our, um, the presentation we had at the annual meeting for the benzodiazepine action work group at the Colorado consortium and John state spoke there and John and I work on a lot of different things together. And, um, he is currently trying to figure out how to come off of about four different drugs, um, psych drugs. And it's such a difficult problem. And I just want those of you who know that are dealing with that, that I, I get it. And I, I wish I had a simple answer for that, but we just don't. It's one of those things where you need to try to find somebody, some medical professional that will work with you, figure out a plan, figure out which ones, if you're wanting to come off one or some of them or all of them, that's your choice, of course but figure out a plan, realize it's gonna take time, but you can do it, you can get there and there is success around the corner, so. Um, uh, on that note, it looks like uh, Smiles wrote in and said, my trazodone was the last drug to go. Took a long time though. So there's a that's some more feedback on it. So all of them can take time. I mean, we, we focus primarily on benzos on this podcast because that's the purpose of the podcast, but. SSRIs, SNRIs, um, psychotropics, all the classes can have their own problems and can be very difficult to come off of depending on your own physiology, depending on your genetics, depending on so many different factors. So um, it's not just benzos. We know there's other drugs out there that are causing the problem. So uh, let's see what we got here. Here's what Cheryl wrote in. So, Is weight gain normal coming off benzos? Weight change is pretty common. Um, Ashton mentioned this too, and it can both be weight loss and weight gain. I lost weight <laughs> during my benzo withdrawal. Um, I was up and down, but mostly lost weight. Actually, since I've been in protracted and doing better, I'm unfortunately gaining weight. I think that's mostly due to just being able to eat food again <laughs> and being able to eat food that I couldn't have eaten while I was in acute withdrawal. But it's also letting myself go. And and I didn't do enough exercise. I didn't do, I wasn't eating right. I wasn't staying with the diet that got me through. And that's a real good point I want to just mention because that's what I faced with. And that is returning to normal life also means returning to some of the demons 
of normal of normal life and that can be overeating um, and dropping some of those anxiety tools some of those withdrawal tools that we worked on that got us here so it can be really important to find a way to maintain those and not just give up i am returning to many of those now in fact um pam and i were just talking earlier today about exercise and i was sharing with her that um you know i'm getting back out there and trying to exercise this new apartment has a gym and so i've already hit the elliptical pam was telling me this morning that you were getting back to an exercise regime is that correct that's right so um you know we live in the country and well rurally a uh, little out ways outside of the city. So I'm either walking, running, but I'm going to get a Peloton for uh, Christmas. So I'm excited about that. But exercise for me has played a vital role in my recovery, mentally and physically. Um, I felt like I didn't lose weight. Um, if anything, I felt like I may have gained a little bit of weight um, in the last couple of years. So for me, it was sort of the opposite. I don't know if uh, that's because everything felt off for me or, uh, or because, um, I'm a female, I'm just not sure, um, why, but, um, uh, you know, but exercise did play, uh, ha is, and has played a big role in, in, in my yeah. recovery. Oh, great. I thought look at mountain actually asked me if I'd seen the question earlier. So let's go back to question earlier and see what look at mountain had here from Billy. Um, also, if I want to call you Lookout Mountain, I can say Billy. Thank you. <laughs> During your first year, D, did you start having full windows at first or partial windows? And did it ever feel like your brain was partially missing? No feelings out of touch. Um, two, two excellent questions. Let me start with the last one. Uh, DPTR, depersonalization, derealization, very common for many people in benzo withdrawal. It wasn't a significant symptom for me. I had it briefly here or there but it is significant for many people. So that is really common. Um, I did have the suppressed emotions and suppressed um, feelings with when I was on the benzos and those came rushing back when I came off them. Um, so it all varies, of course, it's very individual. It varies a lot for people. Some people lose some feelings and then come back again. Some people um, start to feel that rush of, of emotions coming in. So. But you mentioned about full windows at first. You know, it's, I think we all want to have this cut and dry <laughs> kind of thing like, oh, I'm in a wave, I'm in a window, I'm in a wave, I'm in a window. And I don't know if that's not the case with most other people, but I didn't see that clear, um, that clear divider as much as so many, um, as so many have claimed they have. So I don't know how realistic that is. For me, it was much more of a fuzzy line. I would have, I don't know that I ever have lost all my symptoms. I don't think I have yet. Um, again, I'm, I'm in protracted withdrawal seven years out, but I also had a lot of complications and that created part of this problem. But I don't know that they all, I don't think I had a moment when I didn't have any symptoms. I've always had some, the cognitive dysfunction has been there a little bit, although been better off and on. I have facial paresthesia. I have spiders on the left side of my fence, my face. I don't know why the left side. It's just where they are. Those, when I think about them, are there most of the time. They don't bother me anymore because I just have accepted them. And they come and go. But, you know, they still come and go. So I think of the waves as an increase and the window as a decrease. But I never have that cut and dry. So 
my answer to your question is I think it's always been partial for me. I think I've had heavier symptoms for a while and I've had lesser. But at the beginning, yeah, I just had wave, wave, wave. Mm-hmm. As time progressed, I started to get some windows. And I hear a mm-hmm from Pam. Is mm-hmm. that what you experienced too? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, you know, I felt like it was not going to get better because, um, I mean, we're all, uh, you don't know what's happening to you. you, you you're overwhelmed. You're exhausted. Um, you're thinking, what in the world is happening to me? And then you do get a window and you feel, I remember, I remember distinctly going outside one day, my husband's smiling at me. I remember distinctly going outside one day and this, the sun looked brighter to me. Like everything looked brighter to me. It was like everything had sort of been dulled and, um, everything just seemed to start getting clear. Um, so that was, that was a window opening for me. And I knew from that point on, and that was, um, uh, let's see, March, April, May, maybe June, May, in middle May, June, and I'd come off in April. Um, I knew that it was going to get better. I knew that something had definitely, uh, had been, had been wrong with me. The medication had affected me, and this, and I had forgot. You forget that the, that everything's brighter until it, it's like you're waking up, and I guess that's where the tingling comes in. Like my, I remember, my hands would tingle, and my doctor said because it layers up in your body, and you just start waking up. It takes a long time for it to 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 get out of your system, and um, so yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. It, it does. It, it's this is a very slow process for most of us, and and we just have to give it time. Yeah. Ed had a good question here. Let me pick up, jump off of Ed here. He says, "Does the tinnitus ever go away? It is always there for me since I started my taper, mid two thousand seventeen. It goes away from time to time, but when my waves come on, it gets worse. Tinnitus, another one of those very common symptoms, as most of us know, of benzo withdrawal. I had it. I still have it." Um, I had three types. I have the overall white noise in the background. I don't remember that I had this before benzos, but I may have, but I still have that all the time. I have occasional piercing, um, which is that sharp note, that sharp tone that hits, and then it kind of sometimes abates. And then I also have um, sometimes a pulsing one. I don't have that anymore, but I had that during my withdrawal. And it was like to the rhythm of my heartbeat. I would get this, you know, sound and I just figured maybe it was my heart somehow, you know, one of my veins or something or arteries, you know, near the canal or something. And I was hearing it, but, um, a lot of my tinnitus has gone away. I have, um, but I still have it occasionally. I still have the white noise in the background and I still get sometimes the piercing, but it's not as bad as it was. Um, but I think again, it's individual. I, I know. I think with most of the symptoms, and I would just say this across the board, most of the symptoms of benzo withdrawal, they get better. They get better with time, and they do go away entirely. I have many symptoms that have gone away completely, and I am so grateful for that. So I think with each of each of us, it varies. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, okay, I'm going to have to break down. I was going without my glasses, but I'm trying to read the comments. Here we go. Like, but the reason I don't wear my glasses when I'm doing this is they often are reflecting. See, if I have this, I have my camera and when it's on bright, you see how it has all the circles on my glasses. So, so when it's, when it's like, so I have to turn it off when I have glasses on, cause 
of reflections. And oh, I can see comments. This is cool. So, so many of you written in. Um, let's see. So Shaya, Shaya or Shaya, I'm sorry if I got this wrong, commented on the weight gain. She said, I gained a lot of weight being on Benzo, Xanax, and then Clonopin for many years. I think over 10 years, coming off now three plus years, lost around 80 pounds, 260 down to 180, still struggling Keely. Congratulations. That's amazing. That is great to see that. And I know we, we all have battled with that. I'm trying to figure that out too right now. So um, let's see here. So um, Smile says, healing is ever slow. Let's go over here to Smile. So healing is ever so slow. The brain heals in its time, not ours. Patience is key. And love yourself every step of the way. I can't disagree with a word there. Um, that is an excellent message and an excellent um, advice to put in there. We have to realize that this is a long process for, for some of us, for most of us that are here on this podcast. It takes time and finding that acceptance, finding that love for yourself, finding that love for the people who are supporting you, for love for anybody, just finding that positive energy to keep moving forward. I think does more good than anything. It, attitude is everything in benzo withdrawal. I wish it was something that was simple to fix. Um, for most of us, trying to find that positive attitude is very difficult, especially when we're in pain. This has been carrying on so long. Um, Winnie piped in back on the tinnitus conversation, said, I got tinnitus um, and hyperacusis from a CT scan. Pulsatile tinnitus is vascular nature. See, I was thinking it might be Winnie. Thank you very much. I was wondering about that. And maybe I should ask the, my dad's doctor when I go on Monday. I'm taking him to a vascular specialist. Um, so maybe I'll ask that doc while I'm there, if they don't mind if I ask those questions as we go in. So, um, But yeah, it's it affects us so much. And I've talked about this before with each of you, with many of you on this podcast. But um, this affects our central nervous system, which includes our brain and our, our, our um, spinal cord and most of our nerves. It affects our peripheral nervous system. Be, by, via those pathways, it affects everything. And that's the thing that we have to kind of get into our heads is that there's a reason why we have muscle, you know, muscles locking up. One, benzos are usually good muscle um, relaxants. And when we take them away, we're locking up. Two, it's our nerves that not only send the messages to our muscles as to how to behave, whether or not to cramp or lock up, but also how to send the pain from them back to us. So many things operate via our nervous system. And when that's been damaged, as it has been in long-term benzodiazepine use for many of us, those, every system of the body can be affected. And when you look at it from that lens, when I look at our symptoms through that lens, I find almost everything makes sense. Um, it makes sense why we have so many symptoms. So it makes sense why they're so varied. It also makes sense why it can take a while because the nerves take a while to heal. We have adjusted our GABA receptors and other parts of our nervous system over time. And it's going to take us a time for that to heal too. So um, let's see what we got here. Uh, what do we, as you know, so Wendy added that, as you know, Dr. Rofa found that benzos act on veins. I'm thinking it's ask on veins. 
which is why people get pots just like I have. Yeah, I'd heard that too before. And it's one of those things where we kind of have to, it's, there's so much information coming at us and it's so hard. I don't share sometimes the things that people send to me about, Hey, I found this treatment worked or this doctor really helped me or, Hey, this, we, we now know what's causing all of this. It's this, um, only because I'm always trying to get evidence. I'm always trying to back it. I'm trying to get it from multiple sources. And many of these things are that, and I'm trying to share them with you as they come through like this. But a lot of times we just don't know. So when I get stuff like this from you all, I try to put it aside and I look for more resources feeding it and try to get the information to you as best as I can. So um, let's see what Shaya or Shaya, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that here, said she mentioned, I have isolated for many years. My cognitive abilities have been extremely weak. I could hardly think and talk. I am really thankful to be able to watch and partake in this live podcast. Thank you, Dee. Thank you. Um, I am so grateful to have you here and everybody who's tuning in. It, you know, I think it's overwhelming. It's hard to think of a better word for severe benzo withdrawal and overwhelming. It takes over our lives. Um, I'm going to bring um, you know who up on this as we talk about it, because I know she will agree with me. But Pam has seen this too. Um, so many of you out there I've worked with, not just recently, but for years after years after years now. Um, the podcast has been going on for three years now. I wrote the book back in fall of 2018. It came out. So we've been doing this for a while. And we're in it together and it takes time. Pam, you got some on that? Oh, hang on. Pam, stop for a second. I had you muted for a second because there was background noise. Let's try it again now. Um, I just wanted to say that um, a lot of times you feel alone and you don't think that anybody could possibly know what you're going through. And then I myself are seeing all these you know, these wonderful people on here, these brave uh, men and women that are telling their stories. And I applaud you. I applaud you for having the courage to, um, to get off of this, this drug. These drugs are horrible. And I just want to say on a personal note, how grateful um, I am to Dee and his podcast. My husband and I, um, I know I don't want to sound dramatic, but I, I literally don't believe I would have been able to get through some of the darkest days without this podcast. And um, we're just so grateful. Um, oh, thank you, thank you Dee. We're just so grateful. And, and I, I would we, not be here still doing this without people like Pam and Lee. Um, we just will continue to support you and oh, um, just... Uh, you know, do what we can to uh, get this information out to um, these wonderful people uh, so that they can have a life free of of this. Because um, it's like a little prison. You don't even realize it, but you sort of live your life. You have to get to the doctor. You have to get these things. You know, you got to make mm -hmm. sure you get to this appointment. It is like a little prison. And then when you're free of that, it's um, it is just amazing. It, it is. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, and also, Winnie, that's so funny you're saying that because <laughs> we turn D on literally every night. That's our like uh, 
sleeping pill. My husband will say, don't turn them on while we're driving. Because sometimes I'll say, I want you to listen to this podcast. He says, no, we can't go to sleep. But I'm telling you every night. So um, he is very calming. Uh, Winnie, you are so right. I thank you both. Yeah. We love you, I, 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 Oh, God, I love you all, too. I, I've heard that by, from a few people. And I cringe at the thought that somebody falls asleep listening to my voice. But I am so grateful that I could help in, in, in a little bit. I yes. I just get it. Um, and I saw that Cheryl also added also to the whole prison concept and that it is a prison and we only have the key. And that's why it's so much that's harder. Much and I think that's an excellent, excellent way to close this out. So um, first of all, I'm going to say, say sayonara to Pam. Thank you, Pam. Thank um, you. Thank you. Gosh, thank you so much for being on this today. You really added a lot to this. You're welcome. And um, we can all do, we, su we support every, we support all, all of you. And um, Dee is a wonderful source of, of information and he will communicate with you. And I'm just so grateful. So um, good night. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay, You're welcome. I'm gonna, so I'm going to close this out here and, um, and just let you all know that um, don't forget, we have part two of this for those who want to come on. We have that tomorrow night at the same time. So that'd be 8 p.m. Eastern time, 5 p.m. Pacific. And um, I, I really hope that some of you will come back for that and maybe some new people would. We're going to do the same kind of concept. I'll have a few things to talk about at the beginning. And then we will move right into um, some mailbag. And um, let me know what you thought about today. Was the live podcast a good thing? Um, was having a live story on, like having some of you on, like Pam on this show? And trust me, I'm going to have Pam back at another time. <laughs> I think she's fantastic. So this won't be the only time you see her. Um, and, and I just want to know, you know, we're always looking for ways to improve this, to make things better. Um, I have a few of you who have reached out who said, do you want to help write articles? Some of you have said, what else can I do? Um, like I said, I pushed a few of you off until January because of the family stuff I've been dealing with, but I am excited to get back to that and get that going. So, um, so you know, I just wanted to try this and see what happened. We're doing it for two nights. I hope you join me next week. I do need to mention real quick. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice in any way. The host of this podcast is not a medical professional, nor is he engaged in rendering medical health or psychological advice nor any other kind of personal professional services. The views and opinions expressed by our listeners and interview guests on this podcast, whether read from textual submissions or presented in their own voice, do not necessarily reflect those of the Benzofree podcast or of its host. Withdrawal tapering or any other change in dosage of benzodiazepines, non-benzodiazepines, or any other prescription drugs should only be done under the direct supervision of a licensed physician. And I still see great comments coming in. Thank you all for talking with each other and sharing help and support for each other and for this podcast. I am so excited. I think this went well. I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. And I just want to wish everybody a good night, a restful night, a good night of long sleep with no symptoms and not waking up. I don't have a moment of peace to close out here because this is a live production, but don't worry, we will get back to those two. You know the moment of peace. You can do it yourself. You can start now with taking a deep breath in and you can go from there. But I just want to tell you all to keep calm, taper slowly, and take care of yourself. I'll see you next time.